Welcome to the Virtual CPA Success Show for creative agencies, the go-to resource for agency owners looking to scale their business. Join us every week to stay ahead of the curve and position your agency for future success. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. Uh, very excited about this episode. We uh, actually did a little bit of pre-showing today. Normally, we don't do that, but we couldn't <laughs> stop talking to this guest. So we spent about 25 minutes pre-showing, and it was a really, really fun time, and I'm excited to get all this um, recorded. So first, I want to welcome to the show, Jody, once again. Yep. Thanks, Jamie. And our guest is uh, Natalie Ekdahl. Um, she's joining us from bizchicks.com, and I'm going to let her tell us a little bit more about herself. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I, um, I host the biz chicks podcast. So if anyone's enjoying this podcast, uh, they might enjoy the biz chicks podcast too. And I own a training company for women entrepreneurs and we help marketers, consultants, and financial professionals scale their business by building an enduring business, which I consider to be enjoyable, profitable, and sustainable. Great. So um, in our in our pre-show, we talked a little bit about the three pillars, and I think that's kind of what you listed there. So I'd love to deep dive into each one of those and why they're so important. So um, let's start with the first one, which you mentioned, and I know uh, this is something both uh, Jody and I have with with uh, Summit here, but um, so let's talk about enjoyable. Why is that um, so mm. important for an enduring business? Yes. Well, they, they kind of end up linking together, uh, but enjoyable means it's something that you enjoy doing. You like the work, you like the team you have. You like the clients that you're working with. One thing that I've started having my clients do is to rate their their book of business, their clients on a scale mm -hmm. of on one to five stars. Yep. And it's really fascinating because I'll say, well, why do you have all these clients that are like two or three stars? And uh, it really helps us to see like what's happening in the business. And then you can do the same on the back end with your team. And I will say, oh, no wonder you're stressed out. You don't love your clients. You have, you have several clients you don't love and team members that are not performing or wow, look at you have so many four and five star clients and you have all these four and five star team members. So when anyone's less than a four, whether it's clients or team, that's really going to impact your enjoyability of your business as an owner. And it's something to really look on, look at and, and get some help with, uh, if it's something that you can't figure out yourself. So I, I guess the question, Natalie, is we, we did the same thing. We've done it for a really long time. Uh, what do you do when uh, you get the ones and twos and you get the ones and twos, maybe, maybe you got three folks working on the team or working on that client. And let's say one of them rates at a one or a two and the other ones are three, four and five. You know, how, how do you, how do you, how do you look at that? How do you manage that? What, what, what do you, what do you, what do you glean from that? I guess. Well, I think the thing to to think about, uh, you know, as a business owner, my job is to take care of my team first and my mm -hmm. clients second. So I feel like if my team is working well, we are going to serve our clients at the highest level. And, uh, and I grew up in business working at different size companies. So I worked at like an international PR firm. I worked at uh, a family-owned market research company, a family-owned general contractor. I worked at Nordstrom in there, <laughs> and um, I and I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My dad uh, was a civil engineer and had his own business with two partners. And what I know is that when you're part of a smaller company, the smaller the team is, the mm -hmm. more the high-performing team members know the low-performing team members are not. They're not doing their work and it's falling back on them. So when you have those team team members that are one and two stars, even three stars, you are at risk of losing your four and five star team members. If you are not taking action to improve that, improve that performance or to, you know, 
maybe some of them need to be let go. And so mm -hmm. when you are ignoring that, it's only going to hurt your, your organization because, uh, you're going to lose your high performers. Mm -hmm. They're going to feel like you're not taking care of them. So, you, so I, I, Oh, go ahead, Jamie. I was, I was gonna say, do you, so do you try to correlate the two? So if, um, you know, let's say you have 20 employees and you have a lot of the five and four star employees that are very positive on it. Do you take their client scores a little bit higher than the ones that might be the, the threes <laughs> and twos or how is, how is that part? I of think that's work? an owner decision to make. I was actually just talking to a, a client just, you know, earlier today and mm -hmm. we were talking about, she had her team. So she had rated her clients, but she had the mm -hmm. team, everyone working on that account had them rank, rank the client too. And she yeah. actually found out that one of her team members really didn't understand that client's business very well. And that's why she was rating them low. And so I think it's a way for you to understand more what's happening and create conversation within your team. So, okay, what is going on? And, and I, I, I really like this one to five stars because we're all, mm -hmm. we're all rating things all the time as one to five stars. We're on Yelp rating yeah. things. Like it's become, yeah. you know, we're rating movies. And so it's a, it seems to be something that everybody at every level of business and even team members are able to do. Mm -hmm. do, do you flip it over and then do you send that one to five star out to the client and have them rate the team as well? Or, or is it just the one way street? Uh, I have not yet, but I think that that would definitely, you know, would really give us that like 360 degree view and it would be a really nice mm -hmm. check-in, you know, with a client on a, you know, in, in some point early in the, you could do that as different, different times in the, the timeline of working with the client, whether if you have a, like a, a year retainer with them. Uh, you know, maybe you plan to do one within the first two months and then, you know, a few times thereafter, definitely what not. The, don't wait till it's renewal time to be after yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> one of the tools we use is, is called ask nicely. And the nice thing that ask nicely does is it's, it does reach out to your clients, but it does it on a sporadic basis, right? So we have one survey set up during onboarding and it's reaching out to the client every week. And then the next one, um, after they get out of onboarding, it basically reaches out to clients at different times, right? So if you're always surveying one client in February and there's some big deliverable in February, of course, they're going to be yes. happier or sad based <laughs> on that deliverable. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of mix it up throughout the year or throughout the relationship. So that way they get it maybe in February and then another one in, in June, um, one year and the next year, maybe it's uh, March and August. And so it just mixes mm -hmm. up when they get these surveys and it does that for you. And so that's something that we found to be really helpful is just, uh, they never know when they're going to get it, but when they get it, they usually respond because oh, I haven't heard from them for a while. It's time to give my feedback. Yeah. I really like that. I think that, uh, knowing the kind of life cycle of your client mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, you guys are a CPA firm, so it's very, a lot of like heavy lifting at the very beginning, onboarding a client and a lot of their own, they're doing a lot of heavy lifting mm -hmm. too, getting you everything yeah. you need. So, um, making sure that experience is a great experience is so critical really. And then, um, yeah, then they may not have a lot of needs going on for a while, but I love that, that, I was thinking, hmm, I haven't, I would like to, I would like to receive that from a few of the people I'm <laughs> spending money with. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it, it kind of gives you that transparency, right? It gives you that, that ability to critique somebody or, or just say, Hey, things aren't going well, or things are going great. Just so that you're not blindsided at the end of the engagement or towards the end of the engagement, why are they not renewing or, or whatever that might be, or maybe they leave and, and you just never knew they were unhappy, you know, cause your mm -hmm. team thought they're, they're happy because the team, 
was delivering everything, but maybe they're blind to what the clients, you know, views were. And so I think it's important to go both ways, you know, like you'd mentioned it is. the people in the client's view too. Yeah. Cause as uh, you know, as service providers, we want to be able to course correct if possible. And if you get, I, I actually have a, a client that does um, operations for agencies and uh, we were just having a mastermind call with a, a small group of, of women. And we were talking about how, when you're, you know, you start out with the relationship and you're like so close together, like I have my hands parallel to each other. And then you can start to veer apart more like a V if something's not going right. But if you don't know what's happening, if you haven't checked in, you may not know from the client's point of view, how they're feeling. And then if you have those conversations, like we're talking about, you can course correct. We want the, it needs to be enjoyable for the client too, or they're right. not going to stay with us. And so then you can come back together. And so those touch points are really, we need to have those touch points in every relationship we're in, whether it's our client or our team. So internal and external. Great. So let's go to the next next pillar here, which um, as two virtual CFOs who like to work with uh, companies on this item, let's let's talk about profitability. So uh, oh. what do you what are you telling people when it comes to this? I feel like maybe I should become a CFO. Um, I love profitability. I think it's it's so mm -hmm. important. I want women to stay in business. Everyone who's in business, I want you to stay in business, and that's not going to happen if you don't have profitability. So uh, focusing on not only profitability, but it, as a whole, as an organization, but also profitability by client and mm. understanding what's going into each engagement. Uh, so having, setting up those things on the back end, because at the end of the day, you might have this great business, but you might be enjoyable. It might feel sustainable. Uh, but if it's not profitable, you're not staying in business. So I'm in the business of keeping people in business and helping them mm. grow their businesses. So profitability is really important to me. I have our, our clients, we have a group coaching program and our clients every month, uh, turn in their numbers to us. So it's oh, not cool. something a lot of coaches wow. do. A lot of coaches don't look at numbers, uh, but I like numbers and I like profitability. I like money. So, mm -hmm. and I like helping other people grow businesses so they can, um, not only build wealth for themselves, but for, uh, their families and future generations and to give back to their communities. So it's, it's really an essential part of having an enduring business. Yeah. And when we, when we were working with agencies and when we, a long time, when we first started about 10 years ago, working with agencies, you know, profit was kind of a bad word. Um, it was like, you know, I think people were embarrassed to be profitable because they felt they needed to give back and all that kind of stuff. Why, why is that such a bad idea to, to look at profit in that way? To look at it as a negative? Yeah, as a negative. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you don't have a certain amount of profit as a business owner, it will not make sense for you to stay in business you will be pulled into the job market. You will go get a job. And so, because there's so much involved in running a business, if you're just getting a paycheck, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's really not going to be worth it for you as an owner. So we, we need to see, I don't know what you guys will, I, I would like to hear mm -hmm. what, what percentage of profit do you like to see in your clients? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, on, a, on a typical agency that is, uh, I would say north of a million dollars, we'd like to see between 20 and 25% bottom line profit. Yeah. Um, we'd like to see that they have at least 10% of the annualized revenue in the bank. So if they, they're a million dollar company, they should have about a hundred thousand dollars sitting mm -hmm. in cash of some sort, you know, part yes. of that in a savings account that's earning interest, not all of it. And, you know, just lying in a checking account, that's not earning anything, but mm -hmm. they, they really want to use that as their line of credit. So they really need to, to, to get that profit in order to build that uh, savings account to really kind of help them 
uh, be secure, take advantage of opportunities and, and then be able to sustain growth because yeah. growing is, is pretty tough and it will strain profits for sure. If, especially if it's not done, done right. But you know, if, if you hit a home run every time, then it really doesn't make any difference. Right. But how many of us hit home runs every time? Well, we have to be able to weather the ups and downs of an economy too. So losing one client can't take you out of your business, can't take the business down. So we, I, I, have something we're on the same page. Yay. Yep. Uh, I, I encourage our clients to have three months of operating expenses in yep. the bank, but it takes time. You know, when I work with businesses that are usually earlier stage than, than your clients, they can't mm-hmm. yet afford a CFO. So we're, I'm hopefully putting them in a good position to come. Yeah, sure. uh, they'll be ready for you guys. They'll be so you'll be like, wow, you already have this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it you know, I know in my business, I have three months of yep. operating expenses in the bank and it, it was, it involved me as an owner sacrificing profit you know, mm-hmm. as I built that up. So mm-hmm. I was still taking some profit, but not as much out. So I could build that up. And yep. it wasn't as fun as the years after I like the years now that I have that set up <laughs> <laughs> profitability is a lot better, but yeah. So, uh, that's what I see is that, um, and, and I, I find that as working with primarily w- only women mm-hmm. that it's even the word profit is even, and making money and wanting to make money and wanting to be wealthy it can feel even harder for women to say that they want that. So I love helping them to do that. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. About 15% is roughly that three month, 15% of your revenue is roughly that three month, uh, that three months mark there. And, and so we, we do the same and that's typically what our average client is right now is about 15% in the bank. So very similar to what you're, what you're uh, telling your, your team, mm-hmm. the folks that you're working with, you know, I think ours is roughly at the same area. But profit is so, so important and uh, understanding how things work and, and, and as you d- dive into things, you know, what, what really truly generates your revenue and what truly are your costs associated with that revenue? And then what, what's, what, you know, what, what, what's everything else look like? You know, what's your marketing spend and everything else look like in order to generate that? It's important mm-hmm. to understand all of that. And so what, what, what I, what I hate is when I hate to see owners, give that away to somebody and not pay any attention to it. Like maybe a bookkeeper that comes on where they'll give that responsibility to that bookkeeper. Who's not a CFO, who's not, mm. you know, a finance director probably doesn't have a ton of experience and they're entrusting their livelihood on that, uh, that individual without really a whole lot of oversight. And, and that, when, when you see that type of thing, you, you probably start cringing, huh? Well, I like <laughs> to say that, uh, and I just did a training for um, my program on this is that, managing cash flow, which is part of what we're talking about here mm-hmm. is the most important role you have as CEO, because mm-hmm. if you're not watching the money coming in and out of your business and have clarity and visibility to that, it, uh, you're, you're doing it. Someone has to do that. And we can't just mm-hmm. trust someone that's outside the business. You as a CEO need to have understanding of that. Even if you're not a numbers person, if you, even if you don't like spreadsheets, mm-hmm. uh, so understanding that because I, I work with women, you know, as I was saying very early mm-hmm. on in their business, and if they don't have, if they don't know what's happening with, with their money, they will not make it to ever become your clients. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're just, they're just going to go out of business. So, yes. um, I love help teaching women about the back end managing the money in their business. And I, I require all my clients to get a bookkeeper as well, because I think it's really important to have someone else put looking at the numbers as well. So, um, but again, you need to be the person who takes ownership of it all as a CEO. And that really even goes, I mean, that goes all the way up the food chain, right? Whether you're a $20 million company or five, if you have a CFO on staff, or if you have a virtual CFO, 
you know, they're going to report the information to you, but ultimately it's your responsibility to understand that information. And I think a lot of people, you know, maybe they're scared of money. I I don't Mm -hmm. know, or maybe they don't understand it or or whatever it might be. We'll just say, Hey, you know, blanketly, Hey, you take care of it. And I don't want everyone to look at it. And then, then surprise, surprise happens, you know, you know, a few months down the road or a couple of years down the road, they, the money's not where, you know, as much as they thought it should be. And really when it comes back to it, it's, it's the CEO's responsibility. It's that, that's what their job is. And your, your money and your expenses reflect your, your decisions as a CEO, right? So yes. like, yeah, you can, you can make decisions and you can do things, you can spend money, but ultimately if you're not managing your money, you're not, you're not really making decisions. You're just like spending money. And so I think that's where a good bookkeeper will categorize those expenses. They'll put it together for you and they'll tell you what happened, but you either need a CFO or you need someone you can talk through to be like, okay, now where should I be spending my money? Here is yeah, where I'm spending and the money, forecasting, where right? The I love, you know, when people can afford a CFO because then they have someone who can start to look out into the future, your, your CPA, your accountant and your bookkeeper, generally the person doing your taxes, that's all like the backward look, right? So Mm -hmm. having someone who can look forward with you and help you with that forecasting, uh, I have a tool for my clients where we, we create, it's a sales forecasting tool and, Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a chance to see what's coming in, what, what's contracted to come in in the future and just to have visual visualization of that. Cause it's so easy to get stuck in like whatever the biggest problem is at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so well, it sounds like your, your clients are extremely lucky for the, <laughs> for the size that they, that your company mm-hmm. you're talking about and the tools you give them. Like I, I, I think a lot of our clients, um, would, would love to be, have since we get some of those same tools. And again, at the size you're talking, that's amazing that the service you're providing. Um, so mm-hmm. let's, let's hit on this, this last one. Let's talk about the sustainable. So we've talked about mm-hmm. enjoyable, talked about profitable. Now let's talk about how to be sustainable. Yeah. So sustainability for me is a couple of things. It's, it's, it's internal and it's external. It's internally the pace of the company. So are you able to sustain the pace long-term? We all have, you know, times in our business where it's at a, a breakneck pace. Maybe you're working 60, 80, hundred hours for a period of time. We cannot do that ongoing. We cannot mm-hmm. work ongoing without a break. That is not going to be healthy. Eventually you will break yourself as a CEO, which again, will break the business. Uh, and then in externally, it's really in a sense, going back to like a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. What are the weaknesses in your company? What are the threats in your company? So, uh, for a lot of marketers right now, a threat is chat GPT, you know, how is that Mm -hmm. going to impact their business? How is Mm -hmm. that going to impact people spend? So that would be something to think about. Does chat GPT threaten or does AI threaten the sustainability of your business for, I would think for most people, especially if they've gotten to a, a multi-million dollar business, they can pivot and figure out how that's going to impact them, how to embrace it and make it part of what they do. Uh, but that's sustainability. It's, it's internally the pacing. Can you keep, do you, and also, you know, so enjoyable is, is like enjoyable is liking, sustainability mm-hmm. is more of like the pace of what you're creating and is it mm-hmm. sustainable for you and your team. So with, with with the sustainability part, I think this is a, a really, obviously all three of these pillars are really strong, but sustainability, I think, is the one that kind of creeps up on you and you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're profitable, you know, you, you, you love what you're doing, but then you find out that you don't have time to take a vacation yeah. or, you, or you feel or you've created a situation in your company where everybody's so dependent upon you, which is a fault. Yes. And because of that dependency, you, you're kind of stuck. You, you're stuck kind of in a job now versus a, building a company. 
And uh, I, I think the sustainability is the one that, like I said, that can really creep up on not even realize it until mm-hmm. you know, it gets to that boiling point where you've got to make a decision. You know, what do I do? Do I fire myself and figure out how to, you know, how, how to replace me? <laughs> Maybe. You know, that type of thing, which is always a possibility, right? <laughs> you can um, hire someone else to run the company and you do the very part, one part you love. Uh, you also, a lot of times in those cases, if it's feeling like it is that people are, have too many direct reports, right? It doesn't feel sustainable. They need to add in a layer of leadership uh, below them so that they don't have more than five direct reports. There's too many people coming to them needing things. Another issue could be their own. It could be a leadership issue. They haven't empowered their team to make Mm -hmm. decisions. They're required, they're micromanaging and requiring people to come back and ask them like, can I do this thing instead of empowering Mm -hmm. people and allowing people to make some mistakes. And that's going to happen if you're dealing with humans. Yeah, I think sustainable is the one that people probably forget about the most, right? Like, obviously, I want to do something I enjoy every day. I want to make mm-hmm. money while doing it. But oftentimes, I think that third one is is where you get into it. And you're like, wow, I love what I'm doing. I'm making a lot of money doing it. And all of a sudden, you find yourself at your desk 20 hours a day or, you know, yeah. like I always, I always think of small business restaurant owners, right? Like, they love cooking. They love feeding people. They love making this business. But then they end up, like, being up until 2 o'clock in the morning making bread for the next day, you know? And it's like, yes. that's not sustainable. You can't, not- you can't live that lifestyle very long. You can't. And uh, it is something that creeps up on you. It's I've started asking our clients now, how many hours are they working a week so that I can get a handle on that? I had one client and I didn't realize that she was working seven days a week, uh, on the week, like six days for like 10 hours a day. And then also on Sundays mm-hmm. and I had no idea. She hadn't had a vacation in years. She's now going to France this summer with her family (laughs) for 10 days. We've also figured out a way, hopefully it's okay with you guys. I think it will be. Uh, We figured out a way for it to be a business expense for her and her husband's flight. (laughs) There you go. Uh, They actually have biz, both have business over there. So, um, so it's, it's working out and uh, yeah. So I think just having an idea about, about, if you want this business to continue, if it doesn't have each three, if you're not hitting each three of those pillars, and let's be honest, it's not going to be all three all the time. Right. But right. if it's only two of them all the time and not a third, the business is not going to stay functioning. It's just not. And well, I love helping business owners stay in business. I want people <laughs> to have enduring businesses. I think the other part about sustainable too, that's important to know is, is take it from someone and both Jody and I were in public accounting. I mean, we worked those 70 hour weeks and 80 hour weeks. At some point, there's a lot of diminishing returns where your brain just doesn't work as well. Like yes. I remember being in an audit room saying this work paper I'm working on should probably take me 20 minutes and it's taking me an hour and a half because I'm having to like reset my attention. And I think as a business owner, you need to have that attention where you are thinking about the business, you're being creative. What's the next step for my business? If you're Mm -hmm. constantly wearing yourself thin, your business isn't going to be as successful as it could be. So I think that's the other part you need to think about. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I think as you're building up, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 go, go for it. I was just going to say, as you're building a team as well, your team is watching you. So Mm -hmm. if you are keeping this pace, and are you going to expect others to do that as well? And is that a, are, they're watching you, they're seeing everything you're doing. And they're also thinking, is this a leader I want to be under ongoing? And so to keep top talent, you need to really think about that. Are you setting 
you know, an example for what you want to create. And then the flip side is I also hear people say, well, now I am actually like not at my desk as many hours and not doing as like visibility. If you like watched me, you'd be like, well, what are they really doing all day? <laughs> um, so that could feel, there can be some guilt that comes in because you've spent all those time, you've, you've done all those things, but sometimes being out, going for a walk, walking around downtown, that could be where you get the biggest idea for your business. So uh, we can't, I think there's, there's, I hear some different stories from people about um, both sides of that working a lot of hours, but also this guilt when you like make some shifts and have done some great mm -hmm. hiring and you're like, now what do I do with my time? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Natalie, I was going to say the exact same thing. So it's kind of funny. You, you jumped in there and said exactly, but did it much better than what I would have said. No, I uh, don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I do. It's I do know. Jamie will confirm that. But one thing I did think about when we, when we talk about these three pillars is that you know, we're talking about owners really at this point, but really those three pillars also go down to employees, right? Mm -hmm. So employees have to, all three of those have to make sense for the employee as well. So True. when they're looking at it, when, it, when an owner is looking at that, they're looking at their overall company picture, you know, all the three different things. But when an employee looks at it, they're doing the exact same thing. Do I, do I love this business? Am I, am I making enough money to justify being here? You know, mm -hmm. is this, is my workload sustainable? Can I, can I maintain this? And I, I think if we look at it in both angles there, I think you've got, you know, some, something that you can actually manage a lot better and maybe put some traps in there to, to prevent your employees from, you know, good employees leaving because it's not sustainable or they're the, or the money thing, or they're just not having fun. You know, I think there's some traps where you could help, mm. help uh, better business. Definitely. I got to add wow, that to my model. <laughs> Thank right. you, Jody. <laughs> He'll send you a bill for that. Yeah. Don't worry. After I send him a bill for this conversation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it, might, it might balance out. <laughs> actually, I owe you maybe, money. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely owe you money. <laughs> I don't think so. Thank you. So that's, a, that's so true because, uh, you know, when I'm sure when you guys think about your previous work, there's mm -hmm. probably some parts of it that you really like so intellectually stimulating, really adding value, but the pace that is required in public accounting is just insane. Right. And um, even so many CPAs, you know, right now we're recording this mm -hmm. interestingly <laughs> on tax day. Yes, yeah. we and, are. <laughs> and uh, like, I'm sure so many people are just about ready to like pull their hair out. I don't know what they're, what they're thinking, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it really does trickle down into the organization and uh, so I think if you start to get this right from the top and then bring it down to each team member and also then thinking to the client too, like we were flipping mm -hmm. that earlier, yeah, yeah. is this relationship enjoyable, profitable in terms of like, am I getting the value for what I, the, for the exchange of services and is this a sustainable, you know, is the pace of what we're doing sustainable is uh, it really does go to all three sides. I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah, 100% agree. Great. Well, we like solved all the world there. problems. That's all right. We're amazing. For the day. Perfect time to turn the page here. So we're going to, we're going to go to our next section here. And what we're going to do is we're going to throw out a random question. And so the question I'm thinking of for today's episode is earlier, you mentioned the five-star reviews and you said it's something that everybody loves to do, whether it's on Amazon or you're reviewing a company. So um, I'm going to have each of you talk about the last product or service you bought, bought that you would have rated five stars. So I'm going to start oh, yeah. with, uh, with you, Natalie, Ooh. you can go first. <laughs> Okay. Gosh, what did I recently buy? I'm looking around my office. Uh, I think the thing that's coming to me, it's a, it's a purchase I keep making, which is not a great thing. It's, I love my Apple AirPods. 
Oh, there you oh, go. Yeah. So, and guess what? I have had four now. The AirPod <laughs> Pro, they're like over $200 each. <laughs> I now need to buy another pair because my puppy found oh, one yep. and ate, ate one. <laughs> so, one. <laughs> well, ate one. So they actually, he, he, so one side's all chewed up. So I would give those five stars because, uh, they are just so convenient. I have all Apple products, so they switch back and forth between uh, between products, and I re keep repurchasing them. I either have lost them, dropped them in water, um, a child has lost them. So I guess that they had some kind of homing beacon. Maybe it's four point seven five stars. Until they get the homing beacon. <laughs> the homing back. beacon, so I could find. I have lost. I have lost one. You but I will be buying. I will be. <laughs> I will be buying pair number five soon. <laughs> well, they do have okay. to find my find my thing, but they have to be still charged. And so yes, really, that's that was reliable. Issue. We've used yeah. it with my daughter several times and she's lost hers. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jody, what about you? Uh, mine's going to be kind of a funny one. I, I, I maybe, maybe not. Um, Cutco cutlery. I don't know if you've heard of Cutco yes. before. Uh, really nice set of uh, kitchen, kitchen knives and utensils. And the reason why I say that's when I was, uh, in college uh, for about three years, I sold Cutco Cutlery. So that was one of my first jobs while I was in college. It kind of helped me pay my way through college. And so it was a really mm -hmm. a great experience on how to meet people and all that kind of good stuff. Um, it was one of those, it was one of those uh, jobs that, you know, and I call it a job, but it was one of those things that was like a life experience that I'm, I wish everybody had the opportunity of doing, doing that because it allows you to help you read. It helps you reading people. It helps you, yes. you know, you know, basically just asking, asking for you know permission, you know, that type of thing. And there's a lot of great stuff there. And uh, when we moved to, we moved our, our, um, our residents from, from Indiana to Florida, you know, that was the first thing I thought I was like, gosh, I need to get some good kitchen, kitchen, kitchen knives here. And so I went and uh, bought them and, and spent a lot more than $200. <laughs> <laughs> but uh definitely well worth it uh and so i definitely get would give them a five star great all right so so mine is um as, as i've mentioned a couple times on this podcast i believe we're we're doing uh some home improvements right now so we're doing uh redoing our kitchen and um adding to the basement and one of the last steps was picking out countertops. Uh, so granite or um, quartz or whatever we wanted to do there. And so the company we've gone with has been so patient with us. My wife and I are, are sometimes take a little while to make decisions. And we've probably been in that <laughs> shop 10 times. Every time they have the same passion for their product and they're Aww. very good with us. And they just walk it through with us and they, they pull up our kitchen design and say, we think this is going to look great. And so there's, I think the service we've got at the, uh, the granite place we went to has been amazing. And just, again, the patience with us, a lot of stores probably have been like, all right, just choose. It's time to choose and get this over <laughs> with. They've just been super patient with us and works. Hopefully it comes in next week and we can see how it actually looks, but excited for the, um, for finishing that up. So you made the decision. We did make the decision just last okay. week. So yeah. They've all been right. With us. All right. So, uh, what, what, what is it going to be? You, you didn't, yeah, oh, what were we getting? Going yeah. granite. We went granite. Going granite. So. Okay. What yeah, color? Granite. Light, dark. It's it's fairly light. It has some dark splotches in it. But um, the you know the the way they talked about the granite there was like every piece is a piece of art, and like it was so like there again. <laughs> uh, and you know quartz is kind of the trend right now, and a lot of companies yeah. are doing south houses are doing quartz. But the my wife and I are very outdoorsy people, and the fact that granite like comes from the earth and there's no like mm -hmm. man-made you know part of yes. that. That's kind of why, one of the reasons mm -hmm. we went with it. So um, we I love we it. definitely went that path. But um, yes. are awesome. you a one so, or five star client to them? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> this is the most, this is the lowest profit margin 
customer we've had in a long time. <laughs> oh, I'm five awesome. stars with Apple because I keep buying. Yeah, you're I'm, the return customer. Oh. Yeah, I'm a return customer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that I think we've gotten through everything. I would love to get final thoughts from both of you. There's a lot talked about a lot of stuff today. I know we only went through through pillars, but each pillar had a lot to unpack there. So I'd love to get a final thoughts, and we'll we'll start with you, Natalie. What's your final thoughts on um, for our listeners? I think it'd be great. I like to have people take action. I actually say, well, now my, my little son who, when he was like, I have a recording at the end of my podcast of when my little guy was like two, he says, go take some action. Uh, (laughs) So I like for people to go take action. So I think what would be great if you could, my final thought would be to a call to action to think about your business and think about uh, what what you would give are is it enjoyable we can do one to five stars one to five mm-hmm. stars enjoyable one to five stars profitable one to five stars sustainable whatever has the lowest star for you to really look at that and try to unpack why and is there one thing you could change if there was one thing that you could do that might change that whole section that whole pillar uh to just focus on that to get some relief it could be hiring help. It could be adding a layer of leadership. It could be looking at profitability. It could be firing a client. It could be hiring some, it could be so many different things, but just to decide what's the one thing that would provide some improvement for you as a business owner, because we want you to have an enduring business. So if that, if that one thing was hiring a coach, how would they go about getting hold of you? <laughs> oh, thanks. I didn't even try for that. Uh, <laughs> really the best thing is if, if you enjoyed this, this podcast, the best thing is to listen to my podcast and subscribe to it. B-I-Z-C-H-I-X. I spell chicks with an X. Um, and then you can also go to my website and get in touch with me there or my email is great. LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. That's where I spend all my social media time. So I love hearing from listeners. If people are listening to just search for my name, Natalie Ekdahl, even though it's very hard to spell, but I know you guys are going to link it in the show notes. Yeah, it'll be in the links in the show notes for sure. Yeah, (laughs) Um, Find me on social media, find me, um, listen to my podcast. And if you come to my podcast, I tell you how to connect with me more. Yeah. Natalie, Natalie, my my takeaway um, is hiring a Natalie. You know, (laughs) if, if you're in a position where, where you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a woman entrepreneur, you know, really looking to figure out how to get to that next step. Maybe growth is a, you know, whatever the, the motivation is, maybe it's security, maybe it's just simply making a ton of money. I, I think it's important to have, you know, a, a Natalie by your side at, at, at every level. And, and I wish that yeah. our clients would have had, had a you on, on board way before they, you know, they became a client of ours. You know, that, that would be awesome because it's, then you're not reinventing the wheel. Uh, type of a scenario. And I think you, you from what I can glean and, and from you know, the experience we've had today, you know, I, I think you'd be able to help out a lot of uh, entrepreneurs out there that are really looking to, you know, to get to that, you know, whatever that level is, you know, security, safety, you know, cash, you know, whatever, whatever the goal is, whatever the long-term goal is, maybe it's selling your business in three or four years, you know, getting it to that level, you know, maybe it's just breaking that million dollar barrier. Maybe it's maybe breaking a half a million dollar barrier. You know, mm-hmm. who knows what that what that next level is. But uh, it, it's nice to have a coach like yourself out there because it's really tough to do it by yourself. It's really lone, lonely at the top. And it's uh, very lonely at the top. Somebody that you can cry on, you know, you can cry on. That's that's huge. Yeah, and I I definitely second that as my final thought. I mean, I think that uh, what 
you said probably four or five things in this podcast where I was like, oh, I, I wish if I was running a 200000 or $300,000 business, I wish that was information I've had. And that that's probably, it's worth its weight in gold. One thing you mentioned very early on was you require all your companies, what you say, monthly to report their profit to you. Like having that information come into a coach and that coach tell you about that and say, hey, other companies that I'm working with are doing this. Like that's worth the price alone right there just to get that kind of information and insight. So you mentioned three or four things like that, that it would be shocking that companies aren't getting value at that size to get that type of information. So I, I would give that same Thank thing. You. It sounds like you have a really good business and very exciting business. So it was, it was great chatting with you today and I um, appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. Thank you. It was so fun. I love meeting new people. I love meeting other podcasters and I always want to add value. So it sounds like we all won today. Are we all winners? Yes, we did. <laughs> we are winners today. No, but thank <laughs> you for that. And yeah. And I think there's a lot, I will just speak to the coaching industry in general. I think it's really important for people to vet their coaches and to understand, mm -hmm. make sure that they have experience, not just doing something one time in their own business and teaching it. So I run a group coaching program, but I don't teach other coaches how to run a group coaching program. I teach people how to build an agency, whether they're, you know, that model, whether they're a marketer, consultant, or financial professional. So, um, I think that I hear from a lot of people that come to me that they've had difficult experiences with coaches. And so I do think if you're building and scaling a business, your coach should have some understanding of your financials and some visibility towards them. And that could be a great check-in, um, in determining if a coach is a good fit for you in your business at your stage. Great tip. Great tip. Great, great, great. All right. Well, thank you again. And um, I'm enjoying getting the show out there. And again, thanks to our uh, listeners for, for listening to us and hopefully get something out of this episode. Enjoy this podcast? Visit our website, summitcpa.net, to get more tips and strategy for achieving business success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.